You're listening to Let's Bogart, the recreational review podcast where we rate hits by fading out before we fade in. So whether you're here for the plot or the pot, we'll roll cameras and roll joints and curate a pairing experience both celluloid and cannabinoid in nature. <laughs> Buds! I'm so excited. We're hitting season two ground running. We're hitting the ground running on season two. How do you put it? Who knows? Who cares? Listen. It's October. Season two is starting. We're doing an entire month of Halloween. It's going to be so good. We're doing only horror movies and we are releasing a new episode every week with a very special episode coming out on Halloween. Today's episode I'm so excited about, so I don't want to waste any time getting to it. Uh, This is going to be a regular occurrence on the podcast where this episode is a a filmmaker episode. So we've got somebody who I'm really excited to to get on the show, to have a conversation with, uh, and to talk about some really disturbing horror movies. Um, Especially because uh, uh, he's the director of a film that is coming out there or that has come out already this week <laughs> on shutter it's so exciting uh vhs 94 is a horror movie and it's a horror movie that i your <laughs> ridiculous host am in for a minute so I'm so excited for you to see it. You've got to check it out. It's coming out on Shutter in Canada. Uh, uh, it's also had its premiere at Fantastic Fest in Texas. We're having an LA premiere. Uh, that'll have happened, I think, by the time this comes out on Shutter. Oh, it's it's just so exciting. So, anyways, uh, because our our guest is from LA, uh, he doesn't have access to the Canadian cannabis that we review every week on the show. Uh, So I'm going to tell you a little bit about what we've picked up. This is a PAX pod. So it's for your PAX era or your PAX era pro. And it's the Master Kush PAX pod from Highway. It's got uh, 0.5 grams of product in it. It's a distillate. Um, Mercine is its dominant terpene. Uh, Master Kush Pax Pod is reminiscent of the classic OG that you know, says them. <laughs> uh, it's uh, by licensed producer Blissco. It's very strong, uh, high THC percentage. It's usually a range of 75 to 81 percent. Little bit of CBD in there, two to two point two percent. It's an indica dominant. They use an ethanol extraction method. Um, and I'll tell you what, like I've been I've been experimenting with some live terpene and live resin carts, and you really do get an entire experience, like a plant experience from it. You're not gonna get it from distillate, but if you're looking to get as high as possible on as uh, uh, affordable a price as you can find with Pax Pods, Highway is the way to go. Their Master Kush felt like a pretty powerful and 
uh, you know, the uh, master, master. That seems like very like horror elements, right? That's like uh, that's like uh, Igor and shit and uh, Renfield and. There's got to be other examples. I'm not thinking of any of them right now because I am stoned. <laughs> well, thanks for tuning in. I'm so excited. We're talking about a couple of different movies today because we're not uh, necessarily pairing it up with uh, uh, both of us with this uh, this Pax Pod. So I did smoke out of this Pax Pod, and we watched a couple of different movies, and both of them are named Elephant. The first is uh, Elephant uh, that was directed by Alan Clark. That was in 1989. It's a TV movie in the UK. It's 39 minutes long. It's rated 13 plus in the UK. And that uh, is, is, it was really, uh, it was really hard watch, let me tell you. I had never, I had never heard of it before. I had heard of the, what it inspired. Um, but I had never seen it. It's a it's a tough watch. I'm just going to let you know that. But we talk about it on the show, so I'm going to get to that later. It inspired Gus Van Zant to make his Elephant, which came out in 2003. It's a drama. It's an hour and 21 minutes long. It's got a Rotten Tomato score of 73% and a Metacritic score of 70. Um, and it's rated R everywhere. I'm pretty sure it's a it's a it's a school shooting. Um, movie it's a movie about a school shooting uh so it came out very soon after uh the columbine stuff so uh just want to give you a trigger warning we're we're gonna talk about guns we're gonna talk about violence we're gonna talk about uh kids uh involved in violence uh so there it's a it's very uh heavy subject matter so if that's a concern to you please feel free to skip the episode but if you're here for some crazy, uh, uh, gonzo, uh, insane stuff, <laughs> uh, me and my guest get to talk about it, uh, because it, it, uh, has a little bit to do with the, the sort of extreme, uh, violence and extreme gun, uh, nut, uh, craziness of, of, uh, 1994, uh, in the story that we tell, um, that he wrote and directed and that I got to, to be a part of as an actor. Uh, it's a crazy movie. I, I really want you to see VHS. You should check out Elephant, both of them. They're really great. Um, and I, I don't want to waste any time, so let's get to the conversation. So, uh, Daniel, can you tell us who we have on the pod today? All right, my next guest is writer and director of films. He has an MFA in directing from the American Film Institute, where his short film, Narco Corrido, won a Student Academy Award and is currently development as a feature. His debut feature film, Low Life, won Audience Award and Chevelle Noir Special Jury Prize for audaciousness, energy, and perfectly embodying the anarchic Fantasia spirit at its 2017 Fantasia Film Festival world premiere. The film also won top prizes for Best Film, Best Director, and Best Actor at its U.S. premiere at Cinepocalypse 2017. 
His upcoming project is a segment of VHS 94, a new installment to the very successful VHS anthology horror series produced by Bloody Disgusting, which has been summarized as such. After the discovery of a mysterious VHS tape, a brutish police SWAT team launch a high-intensity raid on a remote warehouse only to discover a sinister cult compound whose collection of pre-recorded material uncovers a nightmarish conspiracy. It will be available on October 6th exclusively on Shudder. Please welcome the writer and director of the segment Horror, my good friend, Ryan Prowse. Ryan, thanks for coming on the show, my friend. Hello. Hello. <laughs> the, the, uh, the segment's terror. The, the segment that you're in, you're a star of. That's you right. right. We, <laughs> I'll get it right before. Not to, not, to, not to start off like that nerd where I'm like, well, actually. Actually. But, uh, yeah. it's <laughs> <laughs> Have you uh, have you seen a, a screening of the film? How do you feel about it? You excited for people to see it? Yeah, we're still yeah we're we're finishing it up. Um, we just did like um, uh, the the uh, sound mix on like the big stage and everything. I always say it was just awesome and like everything I've seen. I haven't got to see the whole thing, but I've seen a couple of the other segments and um, it's funny, like, you know, in the process of like, uh, when you're doing like picture, uh, your color process or like the sound mixing or whatever, it's like, this is the best it's ever going to look or sound. So you want to like soak that in. Cause it's just all downhill from there. So <laughs> you go to like my TV at my house. Yeah. All the transfers and that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Well, awesome, man. Well, I, I, I usually when I bring people on on the podcast, we're talking about cannabis to start out, but we're we're going to be talking about films. So I wanted to ask you: Was there a film that you saw that you were like, "Oh, that I'm I'm going to make films now. I want to make films like that." Yeah, it's funny. It's like um, like my film Low Life got compared uh, favorably, I, I guess, as, as favorably as it can to uh pulp fiction and um you know that movie was super influential to me i was 14 when that came out so it was like that was the like probably one of the first movies that like i mean i love movies before then but that was the movie i saw and i was like oh man I'm, like me like everyone else was like oh i want to be a filmmaker that sounds so cool and i hadn't really like i mean i i like all of tarantino stuff and but i hadn't really like you know used that as reference for forever but it obviously like was sort of embedded in my filmmaking DNA because uh, uh, 20 years or on later, I uh, just got uh, 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 accused of just stealing it whole cloth so, <laughs> with low life. <laughs> there was accusations that you were stealing, like the style of it, or that there was like plot elements. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess both. I mean, it's like you know, it's a, it's a, it's a crisscrossy crime film taking place in L.A. with like you know, colorful crime characters. So uh, it's not not apt, but uh, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's like yeah, uh, it was funny because it was like every it was all backhanded compliments. So they were like, "This is the best uh, theft of Pulp Fiction I've seen," where like it's its own thing, but it's stealing from it. So I don't know. I'll, I'll take it. And actually, Tarantino came out because he. We kept just getting. Um, well, Nikki Michelle, one of the actors in it, knew him, and um, so she invited him out. But he, we kept just getting like compared to Pulp Fiction. He's like, I've got, I've got to see what this is. I won't do my my Tarantino impression on here, but it's like I got, I got to see what what this is about. And actually, it was so cool and came out and 
Uh, we have a luchador in our film, and he brought a, his own luchador mask to watch the movie with. Awesome. Like a super trip. So he, he, I sat like two rows in front of him and just heard him cackling, laughing, and having a good time for the whole movie. So I, I, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's something you can take with you, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. That's awesome. So uh, when, when you were brought in, I, I wanted to talk to you about the difference between like uh, something like low life and something like vhs 94 like low life is, is yeah. something that you're developing yourself i imagine like trying to get off the ground whereas vhs 94 did like did they approach you with an idea or did they come to you asking for ideas what was the the difference in those two processes yeah low life was definitely like we developed it i wrote it with four other writers so there were five writers and i honestly it's funny it's like i feel like low life perfectly prepared me for VHS 94, but like, um, you know, it's a single film, but we like, as the five different writers, we kind of broke up individual segments and almost wrote it like an anthology film. Um, just that I directed all the way through so that we'd have some kind of like through line of cohesion. Sure. Um, and then, you know, as we were, as we were writing low life, we were, and it was almost kind of like a TV writer's room. We talked about this before, but like, um, we, uh, you know, we all sort of like broke story together, went away, wrote our segments, came back. And then as we were working on it, we were like, oh, man, this would be so cool if these stories start overlapping and characters start affecting each other in their story. Like they're the hero of their story and they're the villain of, you know, another character story and vice versa. And so like that became the exercise and that and it was really fun. Cut to, uh, actually, I met um, Josh uh, Goldblum, who was one of the producers on VHS at he uh, ran and programmed uh, Sun Apocalypse, uh, and we had our U.S. premiere there. Uh, you mentioned earlier for Low Life, um, and I kind of met him through like the festival circuit. He was we really like you know vibed, and he's we're both like two about the same. I think we're about the same age. You know, like punk kids grew up listening to punk and all horror movies and all that sort of stuff. So definitely had a had a had a lot in common, and then. They initially brought me in to uh, to talk about directing the wraparound, which they had a, a script for, which they subsequently, I think they, you know, kind of kept working on it. And then Jennifer Reeder eventually ended up coming in and doing the wraparound. Cool. Uh, and I think, and rewrote her own, you know, wraparound and everything. But uh, basically in the shuffle, like one of the slots for one of the, um, the segments came open and I just pitched and wrote um, the scripts pretty quickly to, um, to, to my segment terror. So just kind of like pitched them like here, here'd be the concept and then went off and wrote it. Everybody was super into it and uh, made magic one January to February of 2021 in the middle of the pandemic in uh, Toronto, Ontario. <laughs> yes, indeed. So when you when you get to to uh, you have an idea, you're you're starting to formulate it as a writer. What what do you do a similar process each time you're going into a project? Like, do you have certain set times that you write or certain things that need to be in place when you write? Do you write it all at once or do you do it uh, just a few pages at a time? Like, what's what's your process? Yeah, it kind of depends. Definitely like project to project, like, you know. Uh, VHS was de- was ostensibly a short film I was writing like a segment I think ours is about like 20 I think 22 minutes 23 yeah, yeah, minutes yeah. or something you know yeah so 
or, or, or like a, an episode of like 30 minute television. Um, so like that one, um, yeah, that, I mean, it was a pretty quick process, like turnaround on that. Like, I think I just kind of visited it. Like I pitched them the concept and then just sort of knew where I wanted to go with it. And I, and I, I will do like, I like doing, um, uh, uh, like roughing out and, and, and doing like a beat sheet sort of, you know, outline process. But I mean, for that, it was so quick. It was like, you know, a one pager of like, okay, here are the main highlights we're going to do. And then those kind of turn into, here's probably the scenes that are going to be. Um, and I think the, that script I probably wrote in a couple of days, but like um, for feature stuff. Yeah. I like to definitely, I kind of get, it goes in waves. It's like, you know, if I'm working on something, I'll like, definitely set a, or if I'm writing something, um, I'll definitely set like, Hey, I got to wake up at, I mean, depending on, you know, work and everything, but right. it's like, Oh, I've got to wake up at five and write for a couple hours before everyone gets up or whatever. Um, and, um, and usually some kind of like actual strict schedule like that helps me sort of just get through it. And, you know, for features, I'll work longer. And I've kind of tried to learn to like, chill out and like give myself space of like, Hey, okay, this is going to take, you know, like you're hoping it'll be done in uh, you know, a couple of weeks or you set deadlines. And then it's like, if you don't hit those exactly, it's fine. As long as you're kind of moving forward. And then as far as page count and stuff, like it'll, it'll again, depend sort of uh, script to script, but like, you know, some, sometimes I'll be kind of cooking along and do 10 pages in a day and sometimes it'll be five or whatever. But it's more of like, yeah, I think I'm I'm like more of the school of like I'll just set an amount of time and then kind of write to that and then whatever that is. It's like I've I've you know taken a bite out of the elephant that day. Nice. So on something like speaking well, of yeah, <laughs> yeah you brought uh, some you uh, I I talked to you about horror movies because this is uh this is gonna be October when we're airing this so it's part of our Halloween segment. Um, Which, sorry, I wasn't trying to segue into that. Not at all, not at all. I'm excited to talk about them because I, I asked you about horror movies and uh, you brought a few uh, a, a few to my attention that were, yeah, like so they are horror movies. Having watched them now, I'm, uh, I, I would say that they definitely are horror, but they're not, I guess, uh, uh, try, like if, if your favorite horror movie is not the first thing that comes to my mind, I guess, but uh, Alan. Yeah, Clark, for sure. Alan Clark's uh, Elephant and Gus Van Zandt's Elephant. Yeah. What? What Which, a fucking movie. Yeah, dude. Both. Um, yeah. Yeah. I. Uh, yeah, I'm always on that. Like, oh, is this like, you know, I guess it's not like a it's like, what is pure genre? If you start getting into that exercise or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. Like, yeah. They're both terrifying, you know, yeah. and, and it, it, it was kind of like my thought to go to talk about the elephant movies was, um, was terror, our, you know, our segment for, for VHS 94 was yeah. just like, you know, it, it, it concerns like, uh, like a, uh, a militia, like a Michigan militia group that are, you know, basically planning like a domestic terrorist act. And like, it was kind of born out of, you know, and, and, and like when I got the, the opportunity to write for a VHS, it was such a cool, just exercise. I kind of approached it as just an exercise of like, or an assignment of like, okay, like the palette's pretty open, you know, what's so cool about the series is, you know, it's a anthology. So you can kind of bring whatever you want to it. And like, 
you know, it's got to be scary and it's got to be found footage. So it's like, how do you, you know, and, and then you're off on your own otherwise. And I was just really sort of racking my brain of like, what scares me? And um, I think I wrote it like, I think I wrote it like in November of last year. I think it was like end of November into December. And it was right around the time that that militia had planned to kidnap the, um, the Michigan mayor, yeah. or sorry, Michigan governor, yeah. and uh, and it kind of came and went really quick. Like no, I mean, there was so much stuff in the news, but like no one talked about it. No, really. that it was, was a like, blip. Oh yeah, they, they didn't get it. it fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they, they planned. They didn't get it. It's okay, whatever. But I was like, they planned to do that or what? So you know, wrote all that, and then of course, I mean, obviously everything's bubbling up and all the Trump nonsense and everything. So like January sixth. We're plan. I was planning. I was in pre-production on it, planning it when uh, you know when they stormed the Capitol, and it was just yeah. We're we're uh, I guess talking and living and being terrified by like living history stuff. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the elephant films felt extremely apropos for that. Sure, you know? elephant in the room in uh, uh, 2020, 2021 of uh, American terrorism. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, definitely call it terrorism because that's like you know I don't know everyone always like I mean I do it myself just you sort of buckle it like oh is it yeah it's fucking terrorism yeah it's exactly. designed to do that to terrorize but yeah um, all. yeah I mean we can kind of get into the the things but I, you had other questions sorry I didn't yeah uh, yeah uh, no not at all not at all we're we're gonna get into the movies but I did want to uh, just ask um, what was uh, uh, when you're rewriting, when you're going back to take another pass, how uh, how do you approach that? How do uh, it was there any advice that you'd ever been given at, at the AFI or anything like uh, about what you're looking for when you're trying to go back and trim it down to the thing that you're trying to say? Yeah, I like I i personally try to write a little bit more from like i guess instinct and like not do i try i guess i try to to divorce myself from like the critical analysis side of it or like i don't like you know want to write a paper about the movie that i'm writing at the time or whatever so like and i and you know i'm also like you know a movie watcher but not like a like a critical mind like a lot of great critics so it's like you know, I, I definitely that stuff will kind of come around later. But to 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 your question, like um, I'm more trying to like see it. I mean, it depends on if I'm directing it, which I'm usually writing to direct the stuff. Um, it's like, is this working? Uh, more like the, my trick is like, is this working scene to scene? Can I see like ins and outs that kind of build and and we're like, you know, we, we're finding like a rhythm on the page and a rhythm to like the read itself. And, you know, a, a big thing for me that's helped on, especially longer projects like feature length projects or any kind of TV pilot or anything like that is like, uh, you know, kind of do a quick, do as quick of a draft as you can. You know, you've out, I, I like to outline it again. So you've outlined it enough that like, there's some kind of structure there probably that you can trust at least you write through it, put it away for a bit, like a week or two, um, work on other stuff or think about other stuff or whatever, just to get any kind of like fresh eyes that you can on it yourself when you come back through. And then I'll just sit there and read through, not do any editing or anything yet. Uh, and like kind of almost just mark up notes of like, Oh, this is, I'm confused here. Just try to be like a, 
you know, a version reader to it as much as you can. Um, and then, I mean, to me, like the rewriting process is fun because then it's already there, it's on the page, and now it's like, okay, now we can get into like, is this working? Why is it not working? How do you fix that? Or, you know, um, a lot. And then uh, it has happened a couple of times where, like, you know, you'll get through a couple of drafts of it and you'll be like, uh, something's really not working or the ending doesn't work or whatever, and you'll kind of find a new thing just and sort of letting it. Uh, piece itself together, I guess. And what uh, what would you say is the difference? Are, are you using that same kind of uh, instinctualness when you get on set as a director, or is there a, a a shift that happens when you're between when you're sitting there writing by yourself and then when you're on set with everyone coming to you with problems? Yeah, I mean the shift is reality sets. <laughs> sure. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like I like to. I mean, it's almost the same way. Like thinking it through is like the directing is, you know, outline as much as you can, get a structure. It's like you prep, you do as much um, reproduction stuff as you can. Like, you know, even on, I mean, this was like a quick shoot and like a smaller, um, uh, smaller runtime kind of thing for terror. But, you know, we tried to as much as possible, like do read throughs with you guys and kind of talk through leading up to it. And, you know, it's really, I, I find it's really helpful. And, a lot of why I like to write what I'm directing as well is just, you know, you're kind of um, looking for that, like those little authentic moments or like pieces of life that kind of peek through from our actors bring to it or, you know, so like any of the table, I think we did two different table reads and then we did like a kind of a, just a get it on its feet rehearsal walkthrough. And it's like, every one of those is very enlightening and it's like, Oh, you can go back and tweak this little thing or tweak this. So I wasn't doing a ton of changes, but you know, I was like still working on it kind of all the way up to when we were shooting. And then, um, on, on set, it's the same thing. It was really, I had a a blast shooting this specifically because it was found footage and my approach or my thought of like how to get into it and the approach to it was like, um, doing like we're doing almost like a pseudo doc like a fake documentary or like a mockumentary sort of thing but yeah. like we framed it as like there is an embedded documentarian who's making the movie so like you know found footage is always like you got to crack like who's holding the camera when the yeah, shit hits yeah, the yeah. band and once you've got that it's like that was really fun then and very freeing where it's like okay we know we got a couple of cameras going um like how do we and and we were kind of lit and ready to go for 360. So then it's like, how do you sort of like, I, I don't know, almost like promote like a like a life feel with all and and you know with with you guys, there's so many militia dudes. There's like so many moving parts. So it was just a really fun like thing to just watch. Like I don't know, the group interact and you start picking up little pieces. And we, uh, me and my cinematographer Ben Kitchens, we like watch through the take and then kind of like. You know, we, we're, we've worked a lot together and have a really cool shorthand and like, we'll look at and I'll look at him and be like, yo, that guy, you know, over there, like had a really cool reaction. So on take two, we'll get, we'll get a close hit up on that or whatever it is. So I don't know, this was, this was, I, I have not worked uh, obviously like a found footage thing before and it was, it felt fun. It felt very freeing and kind of like, um, you know, we tried to like find as much real life in there so that when like everything fucking goes wild it like that feels as real as the other stuff you yeah know? yeah well and what the, what we got to explore i think that we talked about was the 
one of the layers of it being that these guys are are characters, but then they're also performing for the camera. They're performing for the documentary. And yeah, I think that there was a lot of like humor found in that, even though I still think this is going to be like a crazy, like <laughs> melt your face. The, like the violence is going to be crazy that the, that everything is big and bloody and, and gross and exciting and horrifying. But also there's a lot of comedy in there, which I think comes through in, in your other work as well in low life. It, is that something that you're conscious of that you're trying to marry or is that instinctual as well? No, for sure. Like I, I love, like to me, the comedy that comes from, and it, like it was such a good opportunity and terror, and you know, definitely try to bring it out in low life. But like the comedy that that comes from behavior and like you know, uh, real people in very absurd sort of like over the top situations or like heightened uh, reality sort of stuff. I mean, like with low life, it was like. Um, you know, we have a scene of a guy, a luchador. So he's like basically a walking cartoon. He's like a guy in a, in a red mask with a royal blue suit on. He's like all primary colors and like a domestic dispute with his pregnant like girlfriend. And it becomes like a, like I was, you know, like I, that movie, I, I, I always pitched it as like a, like a John Cassavetes movie meets Paul Verhoeven where it's like the most heightened extreme shit. <laughs> but like, if you can have real emotion in the middle of that, like oh, man. that's a win, you know? So like, same thing with terror was like super exciting to me. It, just a cool opportunity where it's like, okay, like we have these aggrieved, you know, uh, 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 white, um, uh, militia dudes. And like, I, like you kind of don't like, they all have different, grievances and they all are kind of on a different thing but they all know they're angry they don't know what they're angry about but they're all <laughs> angry about something and they'll be angry together and like the absurdity of that the absurdity of like the styling what's what's actually been really cool to see like i, I mean I, I was hoping it would be this but it was really cool to see it come to life and post is you know we, we the look of it itself like we ran it through vhs uh um like tape decks and stuff to oh, give it like that that look and it gives it this extra like the patina of like like a weird reality that you remember but not it's not now but like i don't know it feels it's so it's so odd it feels like home movies it feels like you're watching home movies of these guys and they are very extreme characters and there's a lot of emotion with them and a lot of like the, i love like we you guys did such a great job of like like little pecking order and you can see kind of who's in charge or who's like had a bad day or who bullied somebody else that morning, whatever, all that stuff, the life of that is, is there. And then, yeah, like extreme horrific, uh, otherworldly supernatural shit happens at the same time. Too. So it's just so cool <laughs> to see it like all kind of go off at the same time. And like, it made it, it was the same. It was the same feeling with low life where I was like, we may be fucking up here because this is like, so, it felt like you're out on a limb making it. I was like, this is crazy while we were making it, or this is just too wild. And, but then that's the stuff that's exciting. It's like, feels fresh and stuff like something you hadn't seen, which is scary while you're doing it. Cause you're like, Oh, I'm not fitting into a box here, but you know, that's what, that's what you have genre for at least you can kind of like give some context. Absolutely. And what you, let you uh, fuck around and do some wild stuff with it. 
Well, yeah, and, and taking a big swing, even if you fall, like, even if you don't, you know, get it into outer space, if it goes out of the stadium, you're like, fucking A, you know? Like, I, oh, I yeah. more and more, I'm finding myself really excited, not by, like, perfect films, but by films that are, like, really aiming high for what they're trying to get. 100%. I mean, even me, again, like, not to keep, like, segueing the elephant or whatever, no, no. but, like, using those, it's so cool where, like, you know, just by the fact that they're just doing these single long takes or whatever, of course it's not perfect. Of yeah. course there's stuff that messes up or whatever. Sure. But that's the stuff that also makes it feel alive and real and like you're watching reality happen and you can't take your eyes off of it because yeah. you don't know what's going to happen. And part of it's even the meta-ness of like, oh, are they going to fuck up this take? You know, like as, a, like as an audience member, even if you're not like a filmmaker, I know the audience is aware that it's still... You're, you're you're making a film so yeah, yeah even in that they're like oh how is this gonna build into something or where's this going or whatever like we all know that instinctually and that's always so exciting so yeah for sure yeah that that's, tension that there hasn't been a cut in a long time and we have all this forward yeah. velocity and you can feel going. it yeah yeah, you, yeah, can yeah. Feel it. you can feel it going it's so it's so fun oh man that's awesome buddy that that brings us to the end of our first segment which means it's time for our first game Are you ready for this Oh, please, yes. Okay, this is a segment called In It to Minute. In It to Minute. In It to Minute. And this is where you, Ryan Prouse, have only 60 seconds to tell us everything that happens in both Elephant movies. So we're looking for a beginning, a middle, and an end, but you've only got 30, uh, 60 seconds to do it. You ready for that? Yep. <laughs> awesome. All right, 60 seconds on the board, and go! In It to Minute. Okay, Alan Clark's Elephant. A uh, guy walks into a pool, uh, steam room, kills a guy. Guy walks into a, uh, I believe, a gas station or something, kills a guy. Guy walks down the street, kills a guy. Just keeps going like that, and we don't know what the who's who's doing what, why they're doing it, who's on what side of the thing. We kind of sort of figure out it's like the UK in the '60s, but or I'm sorry, in the '80s, uh, but. Uh, uh, who knows? And then uh, uh, people keep killing each other, and it goes blank. Gus uh, Van Zant's elephant. Uh, kids walk around school. Uh, I don't know. We follow them for what feels like an eternity for just like them walking from one classroom to another. <laughs> I mean, you hear chatter, and all the kids are all like, you know, uh, it, it feels like you're plopped down in the, like the uh, the worst middle school dream you've ever had, where you're just floating through watching these kids uh, talk or whatever, and then it's it, it's basically Columbine, and then the, the our guys kill everyone. And that's sixty seconds. Amazing. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're going to be talking about both Alan Clark and Gus Van Sant's Elephant right here on Let's Bogart with Ryan Prowse. Stay tuned. Thanks for tuning into the show, buds. We're just going to take a quick second here to tell you a little bit about something that we here at Let's Bogart think is worth paying attention to. And today, that is the Zero Gun Violence Movement. The ZGVM is an awareness and advocacy movement that works across Toronto to engage people and organizations that are truly committed to being a part of the solution to reducing gun violence and also building safe and healthy communities, not for some, but for all. Louis March, the founder of the Zero Gun Violence Movement, has been a volunteer community worker and advocate in the African-Canadian community for over 30 years. His work is primarily focused on youth engagement and mentorship initiatives along with serving various community organization boards and advisory committees. Most recently, the Zero Gun Violence... 
Most recently, the Zero Gun Violence Movement has collaborated with over 40 different community organizations, agencies, and programs across the city committed to addressing structural and socioeconomic conditions that contribute to the gun violence problem. Uh, to join the movement, you can book a workshop at your institution. You can give them a call at 416-577-3908, or you can email them at zerogunviolence.movement at gmail.com, or you can donate at their website, which you can visit at zerogunviolence.com. Gun violence is a, a, a horrific problem. Behind every bullet and every gun fired, there's a story, and a lot of those stories end in tragedy for many people in our communities. So while we're uh, having fun doing some horror movies and, and dealing with movies that uh, uh, perhaps use gun violence as a, a, a means of entertainment, we do want to bring some awareness to the very real-life uh, circumstances and uh, cost uh, that gun violence has in our local communities today. So thank you so much for listening. And now back to the show. All right, we're back, buddy. So El- who do you remember the first time that you saw Alan Clark's elephant? I saw that I saw that after Gus Van Zandt's and, um, but I probably saw it like, I don't know, an undergrad or something. Um, and cause I want to say elephant came out. I mean, obviously after Columbine, but that was like late nineties, early two thousands or something. So, yeah. yeah. Two thousand. Um, yeah. And I actually, but it was weird cause I, I didn't like seek it out or whatever. I actually just stumbled onto it. And I had seen, um, uh, just being into punk stuff or whatever, I had seen, he did another film, I can't remember the name of it, but it's got Tim Robbins in it, and he's like a skinhead kid. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, and uh, and Danny Boyle, I think, actually produced Elephant as well. The, yeah. Oh, um, the Alan Clark version. So, anyways. It was kind of swimming around all the same, you know, stuff you were watching in the early 2000s and and uh, late late 90s. But um, I uh, saw it on. It was on TV, but I want to say it was on like maybe A and E or Bravo or I don't know something that showed, showed a lot of British stuff because it was a BBC show. Yeah, and for I like. Seriously, for the longest time, it was, it was like, what, what was that? And then I put it together that it was like, oh, that was because it felt like Elephant. Yeah. And But I was like, oh, this is clearly where they took this from. Like, I immediately knew that, but I didn't know kind of the whole backstory behind it. Then, you know, the internet uh, was invented, and then I could get to the bottom of everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it... it- it it really doesn't give you the Alan Clark one really doesn't give you anything to go on. It's just the quote at the beginning, which sort of just ends up just ringing through your head at, because there's no other dialogue. There's no other. Yeah, there's no no there's nothing, nothing to hang hang on to. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and yeah, I can't imagine because it was just like a played on BBC one day or whatever. I mean, like you know, BBC does such cool stuff or. Used to, I don't know. I've watched a lot of that in forever, but um, yeah, so cool. I mean, can you imagine just like 
you don't even know when it's programmed because it's only like I don't know, it's like twenty minutes or no, no, it's, I don't know, it's, it's twenty thirty minutes, yeah, like, like thirty thirty five minutes or whatever, like. But sh- okay, yeah, so it's not, short. Like, but it's a weird. It's short, but it's not like it's not movie length. But it's like, when did they program it? What What do you lead into? Like, like how do you go? Like, but I think they used to show like more kind of shorter stuff, you know, like in 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 between different things or whatever. But anyways, I don't know. Like, uh, but yeah, that's it's such a cool, like brave, you know, sort of statement to make, and like kind of just taking, yeah, the risk of, like, alienating people to, to turn off, from, like, what you're even saying or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I read about one of the producers watching the film and just being, like, you know, like, th- it because you don't know who is on which side, you, you're just thinking about the troubles of Ireland and you're just seeing death. And it and it, it you've got all of this like trajectory and movement towards either a killing or a getting murdered, and then the person walks away, and then you sit there still on the dead body and just see the stillness of the death and hanging on that. And he said, what it does is it bypasses any kind of logic that you have about the situation or the politics of the situation, and you just feel like this has to stop. Yeah, it just becomes yeah, no, a so, guttural thing. Yeah, it's, it's genius, and yeah, it's so it it's so arresting, and it's you would think it's like, I mean, I guess they they do enough change ups, or you don't know who's going to get killed in what scene or whatever. But it's like even just as like the filmmaking itself, it's so like keeps you on the edge of your seat for the whole thing. And it's just repeating. Cause you're like, <laughs> where, uh, yeah, it's, it's stunning. It's like staggering. Yeah. It's such a, and it's, I think it's, I mean, I think the, the runtime of it is perfect too. It's like just long enough to punish you enough without it being like Gus Van Zandt's elephant, which is like, feels like a little bit too long of like, you know, the meandery stuff. Yeah. But, you know, I get it intellectually, but that one doesn't feel as emotionally, sort of resonant as as Alan Clark's work. But it's such a cool I, I mean I love Gus Van Zandt too. He's 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 a genius and I yeah. it's such a cool idea to transpose that into the different problem, which I feel like, you know, was definitely ahead of its time of talking about that. Obviously Columbine was such a big shaking event for like uh for American society, but also not, you know, and like yeah. um and it's, it feels like, you know, you're talking about gun violence and the shootings and all that stuff. And obviously it just has gotten like even further out of hand, but it's like, uh, yeah, people were ready to like not uh, ingest that one as, as, as well or take, take to heart the lessons of uh, uh, Gus Van Zandt than they were Alan Clark, I guess. I yeah, I guess. God, the, the, I, I was reading about um, the thing that, Gus Van Zandt is is directly doing that Alan Clark kind of had in there, which is the the follow shot, like all of the tracking shots and the uh, the steady cam uh, creates mm-hmm. because it's behind a person, it creates uh, an alienation because you can't see the person's face, so you can't get behind what their psychology is. But yep. also, it's blurring the line between first person perspective and third person. Like you're alienated yeah, from the person. There's a universality of the person there that you can kind of 
also, yeah, you, you relate to and put yourself in their shoes, basically. And yeah, it's just a physical thing of knowing, seeing where they're going, even if you don't know the destination, like where, like we're in point A, we don't know where point B is, but we're going with them. So they must be, you know, doing something important or like, like they must be on a mission. Like we, we get that even if we're not being told it or shown it by not having. Yeah. Which is, and again, that's such a good tension with nothing happening. You're just, I mean, like floating around with them while they're like talking to kids in the hall. I just, I, I have kids in the hallway in my mind at all times with that movie where they're just yeah. like in between classes or whatever, you know, it's like they might as well have like gone and made us sit in like an English class for like <laughs> an hour and a half or something. <laughs> and I, I read that he said that they originally had a script that they wound up leaving behind and just while they were auditioning the actors getting them to improvise which is where a lot of the dialogue comes from and like you mm. were saying before the imperfection of it can be a part of it that uh, the speech patterns feel very real because they're not performing anything they're not saying lines of dialogue yeah that's so it's so like uh it's so brave of like I mean, to be at that level of, like, filmmaking, like, he wasn't, you know, Spielberg or something, sure. but, like, it's the same thing even, like, with the with the Psycho remake, like, you know, talk about swings and, you know, taking <laughs> big swings, swings yeah. But, like, <laughs> like, you know, he wasn't at, like, an untouchable level, so, like, he could have, like, <laughs> destroyed his career kind of before it got going sort of thing with all those Yeah. And, like, but at the same time, he's, like, so adventurous with that stuff and that makes his filmmaking what it is and like yeah i just yeah i find like um uh i just find like those type of filmmakers that are just i mean uh, yeah they, they lead the way and it's so exciting and um like those are those are those are my my guys that like all and, and gals that i'll like you know watch over and over. it's like they make movies that I don't want to watch, but I like will have to watch and will watch again and could appreciate and like, you know, just sort of kicks me in the ass and is like, hey, you can push further and keep doing stuff and keep thinking about this and I don't know, pushes my own work really like and I find so much inspiration and so it's like I'm I'm like is that the movie I want to unwind with on a Friday night? Not particularly. You know? <laughs> I'm, I'm like so glad that these guys are making those movies, you know, like yeah. someone's out there making that stuff. And it, it, like, I, I will say, and you know, it's like, like, uh, so think about it a lot and try to be like, okay, how can I marry that and also make it a little bit more palatable, I guess. And like, yeah. not like go so far on the art tip that like, like you like turn off an audience or whatever. So I don't know. There's always that fine line trying to walk. Well, that's interesting too, because we're talking about this in context of horror movies and horror movies use violence sometimes as a, like, you know, as excitement or, or something crazy to look at. That's obviously not real. Like if we're watching, you know, Frankenstein rip somebody's arms off or whatever. That's probably yeah. not happening in real life. But sure, this is you. Maybe. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> Frankenstein's, if you're out there and listening, like, just <laughs> calm down, eat a burger. You're probably just hangry. <laughs> but the I, I think what what was so cool about what Gus Van Zandt did with the violence in in Elephant was that he sort of he really did rob it of that glory 
you know like the the mm -hmm. the excitement of the the thing everything is like uh, the perspective is like the focus is locked on behind the shooter so you Very don't flat, actually yeah. yeah you're not seeing the stuff that's that's in the foreground like yeah, it's like undramatizing it which is yeah. so cool and so smart you're you're right on where it's like you know this is not i mean love a john Woo movie this is not a john Woo that's movie. Right, or yeah, yeah in, a hor in the horror sense it's not titillating exciting as yeah. it shouldn't be but also like yeah we do kind of as audience still get off on i mean torture porn is like designed around just watching like and, and, and wincing at the yeah. worst shit you've never seen happen to anybody so um no yeah you're right it's like it, it is so smart how I mean, that, that I feel like that's taken, obviously, from the Alan Clark thing. Just, like, sure. all affectation's gone. It's so flat and matter-of-fact, like, violence is in real life. And those guys are just, you know, killing each other or whatever. And yeah. it's, like, they're not... It's, it's not like a... The, the, the score doesn't swell every time. Yeah. You know, well, yeah, that Alan Clark is completely silent, except for, the like, the footsteps and the foley and the, the, the yep. gunshots. Like that, oh! But even that, it's interesting. Like the, I think about the footsteps thing a lot because I think about I love. Um, I mean, I'm like you know more of like a big crime film nerd. I would say than even horror stuff. Sure. But like um, I was thinking about um, uh, Point Blank, uh, John Borman Point Blank, where he's like you know starts with the footsteps like ringing through or whatever. Yeah, and even that, like yeah, the the beginning of Alan Clark's Elephant is like ringing footsteps it's got the same aesthetic but it's like used in in such a different way that like yeah it's not heroicizing any of it or like making him like a bigger than life sort of character oh. it's like almost like it feels like uh it just sort of is like snapping you to attention to then get into the business of watching people just get shot in the head yeah <laughs> Yeah, and having none of that context, too. I, I remember there's that one, the one segment where the guy is walking through and he walks through like a building a lot and we're following him behind the whole time. And then suddenly he like goes down and he looks into a room and then he comes back and we do see his face. And all, like mm -hmm. it's so impassive and so just like searching, just looking for the thing that he's looking for. And we want so badly at that point for context to come. For some story to be told to comfort us, because that's the first one, right? That's him walking through like the pool, yeah, like, the spa sort of thing, yeah. Oh, and he man. like goes into the showers and stuff, and yeah. And then yeah, you're right. You're like, oh, what? It look and it does. It looks like he's like going to. He's like trying to find like a room for a meeting or something. Yeah, I, I left my keys in here, guys. I just need to grab. Yeah. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What a movie. And then you also you you also mentioned uh, um, a music video that was also inspired, obviously, by the same the the Alan Clark uh, uh, elephant, which is Schoolboy Q Dangerous, yeah, uh, featuring Kid Cudi, which I just I had never seen before, and I just watched and was yeah harrowing, harrowing, just following that one that one shot and watching the two guys come, and it it repeats that. Um, that moment, right, where the the two guys are coming and one guy goes running off and we stick with the guy who's just walking calmly towards him. Mm hmm Ah, oh, man. Yeah, so, I mean, like, I love Schoolboy Q stuff. It's like, so he's, he's 
really smart and funny yeah. um, and uh, scary and gangster, all the things all in one. So like, I guess kind of like a lot of myself <laughs> now that we're, I'm having this uh, therapy session with you, but um, <laughs> I, 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 uh, why, why am I not smoking weed? Yeah. We got to find you the right spray for these. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's like, um, yeah, it was, it's funny because it's like, it, you know, obviously when I saw the video, I knew what it was referencing, but it's still, you can't help but like, get sucked into it and be like, okay, what's going to happen? You know, it's just like, we're, we're like, I think, I, and especially as viewers for film stuff, but you're just, you're built to, to watch and you're thinking. And I, I do, it's like a good lesson of like, just for filmmakers in general. And I always think about this of like, you know, it's like, what is the audience thinking in this moment? And because they're not passively watching it. And it's like you, the best filmmakers always like, use that and play with that and like, you know, play with expectation, set, set sort of an expectation and then, uh, and then reverse it or, you know, surprise you with it or lean further into it. So that like the audience is like with you, it's like part of that conversation is so fun. And like, yeah, even, even that music video, that's like, I don't know, a couple of minutes long, you're sitting there being like, Oh man, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Oh no, that happened now. What's going to happen? You know, it's just, it's like innate in us. And it's so, it's like the form of that is really smart uh, and well built for cinema. Yeah, like it's pure. That's pure cinema, right? That that. Uh, yeah, parsing that out the information. Like you get the guys coming out of the car, and then you see the guns, and then you see the guys in the foreground. You're like putting it yeah. together. As yeah, you're know. you're putting the scene together. Yeah, yeah. And you're doing yeah. The math and- as the audience, you're like, oh man, like okay, yeah, that oh that guy's gonna kill that guy. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it has a quote at the end too, like like the uh, Alan Clark one has a clo- quote at the beginning. It quotes, uh, 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 "Eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind." And I think what's so cool about all three of these things, and I think what's really cool about what I think School Book You and uh, the Gus Van Zant video do is they take the idea of having a very clear um, point, like thesis. And that comes through really heavy, I think. Uh, and mm-hmm. keeping that simple allows them to, I think, really land it in a way. Like, everything feels like it's, it's pointed towards what each filmmaker is trying to say with their version of this same idea. Yeah, that's a really cool idea, because I, like, when you, when you were talking about Schoolboy, I, 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 for an I thing, I was like, going to say like yeah fuck that is super heavy handed but you're right it's like it's so like you want to pair that with something so simple that like you know it 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 uh it kind of lands the point times 12 or whatever so no it it is like and i I guess that's a that's a thing i'm always kind of trying to look for too is like not being afraid of like um i don't know like being earnest or like not being afraid of like going too far or like making it clear, like, you know, like you don't have to like ossificate everything. Like some stuff can be there. Some stuff you want to like, uh, you know, obviously leave to the imagination or you want to have people kind of like something to discuss afterwards or something to help the sort of the piece live on or whatever. But like, 
yeah, there is that thing where you don't want to also just like like I'm making art and it doesn't have to mean or it means something to me and not to you or whatever. Like yeah. I do kind of try to keep the audience in mind with that. So that's a really cool point because yeah, I was like. Yeah, that part's a little too much, but <laughs> maybe that's not a bad thing. You're right. Because, I mean, yeah, well, Alan Clark with the, the troubles and the elephant in the room and, and the, the school shooting stuff, like, yeah, I, I do think that, yeah, they were trying to say something. And I, I think... You don't have to be slick with it. Yeah, yeah, you don't always have to have, like, the cool, yeah, <laughs> slick, yeah, slick with it. Yeah. It's, it's, sometimes, it's sometimes okay to be, especially if you're dealing with something this horrific to be like you said vulnerable yeah fuck man well these were these were crazy these were crazy horror movies to all watch back to back (laughs) you said that there were you said that there were other movies that obviously that alan clark's uh uh elephant inspired or are there direct lineages like like the gus van zandt one yeah i can't i can't really think i mean like off the top of my head um I mean, obviously just scenes or like even like with VHS, uh, with terror, like, you know, we start the movie with, I don't know, like a minute long shot of somebody walking in and then, um, somebody getting killed. So, you know, like we're, we're kind of doing the same sort of vibe. So, but, um, I remember you calling out the Crimson Tide shots, the Crimson Tide shots. Well, we went away from that. So that was the initial, like, and here, here's an idea, like, you know, best laid plan sort of deal. Sure. Um, uh, again, with, with it being this, like, documentary piece uh, in, in the film itself, my idea was, like, uh, the, the beginning of the film would be, because we were kind of, again, dealing with those levels of the characters, like you said earlier, where it's like, these guys know they're in a movie. So it's like, there's them, there's like when the real like piece of them peeks out when they can't, they hide it anymore or whatever. And then there's like the media savvy version of it. And that was kind of like, this is set in 94 um, as well. And we were talking a lot about that. Of like, that's kind of around the time that like, you know, the cops uh, TV show is popular yeah. and, you know, you had tabloid TV stuff or whatever. So it's like people were just, maybe not savvy enough yet, but we're getting savvy to sort of like media, like how they wanted to present themselves or what like media training sort of thing, I guess for like a better word. But anyways, um, initial thought like was the beginning of the, of V of a VHS segment that everyone knows is found footage would feel like the most contrived shitty, like, open action movie opening where we have like a million fucking different angles where they clearly shot like themselves looking as cool as possible marching into this place from every conceivable angle and then we would cut a million times through and have it be like oh man this is so fucking cheesy turns out it was too cheesy and it was like what is this shit what is happening and like when we actually were editing it was like well fuck this isn't working you know but um so we, we pulled back on that a bit but like yeah that that again goes to shit. it's like you make the you make these awesome plans and then uh uh yeah, god yeah, laughs yeah. in your face sure yeah the movie god's laugh in your face <laughs> <laughs> and you, you're just open to it like you know happening i guess yeah F- trying to find the the good and the bad accidents and just hoping that there's more good ones 
Oh, 100%. <laughs> and, and, you know, bad accidents can still be fixed in that. Sure. So yep. there you go. Like, <laughs> but yeah, that, that dangerous music video is probably the only one I could, like, I thought of off the top of my head, but like, yeah, there's a ton of, I don't know, like, I don't know. Uh, I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Yeah, but there's, uh, yeah, it, it does feel like it's, it's reverberated through culture in a way that I don't you think know, people are, are necessarily cognizant of. Like, I had never heard of Alan Clark's elephant. I'd heard of Gus Van Zandt's, but before you mentioned it, I had never seen it before. So I wonder how. Yeah, it is like a, like a pretty seldom seen thing. Yeah. I, it was a big reference for me for terror. And like, you know, I was trying to like, I was talking to a lot of the, like, at least the crew about it or whatever, or we were watching it. Um, and like my cinematographer, very film literate, hadn't seen it or heard of it. So sure. I do think it's like a, it's a kind of a hidden gem. One, one movie just came to mind. Um, and it doesn't really, well, a lot of like, uh, Kelly, uh, Reichardt stuff, like, um, oh, I love, man, she's so good. I love her films. But, um, uh, Wendy and Lucy, have you ever seen that? No. Um, it's uh, and I love that actor too. What's her name? Um, Michelle Williams. Oh uh, yeah, but she works with a lot and stuff, and she's so good in it. It's like, it's like this woman like in the Pacific Northwest, like riding the train, or no, she's in a car. She's like has this like beater of a car, and she's trying to get up to Alaska to work in Alaska, and the car breaks down, and it, and she's Wendy, and I think and Lucy is her dog like companion and it's just her dealing with like okay the car breaks down she's got to deal with like how to do that and how to go to a grocery store and all that stuff or whatever but there are like like in a lot of of uh Reichardt stuff there's like a like huge swaths of like um single take you know sort of you're just with a person for so long and kind of what we were talking about before it's like it kind of you like it's just a person walking into a grocery store, but you know, like she had, she had to tie the dog up and she goes into the grocery store and then you were with her for so long. You're like, what happened to the dog? Like, what is the dog? Okay. Like, and it's building that tension. It's so it's so good. That's such a good movie. But oh, man. I don't know why that popped in my head, but just that kind of maybe like artsy, you know, like indie movie vibe, but like, sure. um, and creating I that feel like even sticking with a yeah, like, person. Even if it's not a like following a person for forever behind them floating camera thing, yeah. and they shoot somebody and you don't know why they're shooting them, there is like a, it, it feels like a lineage that has sort of seeped into a lot of films. And not to say like, I mean, I'm sure there's stuff before that that he obviously referenced. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that is one of the first things I can think of. Like I when I saw that, I was like, just like one way. So yeah. Wow, it's yeah, it's it's really something. I I, I hope that uh, all the listeners out there take a look at both both it's elements. It's on YouTube, right? Yeah, it's now it's too, free right, right so. now. So go to YouTube, yeah. look up Art. Uh, yeah, Alan Clark. Oh, it's some good stuff. Uh, Ryan, that brings us to the end of our second segment, which means it's time for a rapid fire round. This is called Reefer Madness. Reefer Madness. But. Because we're not actually doing any cannabis right now. Some of this still has to do with cannabis, but mostly it has to do with movies. So I just got some rapid fire things, just opinions. You ready for this? Okay, let's do it. All right. If you had to be saved by a single film character, which character would it be and why? Um, wow. Rapid, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Rapid for cannabis users, so you, don't worry. You can you can think about it for a second. 
I, yeah, I don't even like. I'm blanking. Uh, like, not anyone from Elephant. Um, <laughs> Probably not maybe, anyone from uh, VHS either. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I, how about the Wild Bunch? I want the Wild Bunch to come in. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm held. I, I don't want to get shot by the Generalissimo, but like you know, I'm, I'm held in the Wild Bunch. Lay their lives down for my life uh, in a. Uh, 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 Blaze of Glory. I love that. Love it. Uh, fi- and number two, favorite movie featuring cannabis. Do you have one? Uh, yeah, let's see. Um, I, I mean, the first one's popping in my head is, is, uh, Gaze and Confused is fun. It's a classic. Not really, uh, or, or what, what was the, uh, Pineapple Express? Pineapple like, Express, um, yeah, yeah. I love the, um, uh, Danny McBride's character in that. Is oh like my god, the dealer is so good. My favorite dude. That that is like very much like my humor. Like where he's just like you think he's dead like five times over, and he's just like sitting there with like internal bleeding and like a neck brace. A neck and he's brace. Just like, nah. Yeah, he's like, no, nah, this is cool. We're fine. Like that. So so good. Uh, well. Do you? I know you do this show every time, but do you have a favorite one? Yeah, honestly, Big Lebowski is a big one for me. Oh yeah, yeah, Love, for sure. Yeah, I'm a big Coen Brothers guy, so yeah, Big Lebowski makes me laugh every time I watch it. High or not high. <laughs> um, number three, fictional or real person you'd most want to have dinner with, living or dead. Jesus, dude, these are like the hardest questions I've ever been asked in my life. <laughs> <laughs> um. Somebody cool, let's see. Uh, I think Paul Newman, because he would be really sweet. He's a, such a good guy and yeah. obviously has like dope stories and um, incredible salad dressing. Absolutely. If you got some dry salad, just have him over. Right. Good to go. I'm like, hey, Paul. He's Paul. like, I don't carry it around with me. I drive a <laughs> roadster, dude. I don't have. <laughs> I own a Paul business. Salad piece of shit. <laughs> I didn't bring Redford yeah, so with me either. Support the cause. Paul yeah. Newman salad no, dressing. <laughs> Fictional or real place you'd most want to visit? Uh, the Batcave. Ooh. Now, it, a specific movie Batcave or comic book Batcave? Oh, comics, comics. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Want the big, I want the big dinosaur. I want the big penny. Absolutely. All the Batmobiles. Want, and the... Yeah, I want post-Jason Todd being dead, so, yeah. like, his little Robin thing is, a, like, his little <laughs> costumes in there. It's all sad. <laughs> <laughs> Has the Batcave ever not been sad? It's, it's a pretty that, dark I, place. Do you, yeah, oh yeah, you read comics. We were talking yeah. about that. Like, um, did you read? Uh, I just finished in the pandemic. I went fucking bananas where I was just like reading so much stuff and watching so many movies. It was so, it was heavenly. But um, I, I read through, I, I got like Morrison's entire run on Batman, like all the Batman oh, ink stuff or whatever. Awesome. How was and it? And it was great. The only, the only reason I bring it up is just uh, it ends perfectly. It's like, him sitting in the Batcave alone with all his toys, and he's like just this little 
boy with like all of these like Batman toys basically around him. Like he's in his little Batman suit and it just looks kind of pathetic. And it's like, yep, that's Batman. <laughs> Batman. <laughs> like the boy who never grew up and yeah. he's like, I, I want to hang out with young kids and it's like crying. And he's just like, dude, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no one else thinks this is fun, Bruce. Yeah, do so you want to beat up poor people? Like, be a philanthropist, dude. What are you doing? <laughs> Uh, number five, movie that would be most improved if only the characters were smoking cannabis. Um, hmm. uh, how about, I'm thinking of, um, what's the, uh, what's the Bergman movie with death where they play chess? Oh, um, fuck. Yeah. Uh, uh. They need to calm down in that one and, you know, just get, get ripped. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's fucking great. Uh, and the last one, number six, what is the one movie you'd suggest to a person looking to write their own screenplays? Oh, that's a good question. Um, let's see. Uh, I mean, it's not... Not, I mean, I like the movie. It's not my fave, but like structure-wise, like you know, they at USC, I think they teach Back to the Future, and sure. uh, that that uh, producer was at AFI and had like the best uh, Back to the Future stories that were just like outrageous, like just telling us all these like wild ass stories. So that was cool. And then my boy Frank Pearson, um, he was like. Uh, a mentor at AFI and you know he wrote like Cool Hand Luke and he was one of the reasons I went to AFI just like the best writer and um Dog Day Afternoon he wrote that and like that's like top to bottom just like such a tight smart screenplay and has all these things going and says all this stuff without saying it like he was a genius I mean that one's hard but you know like that like learn from the best and then um I just read that book on that just came out recently on Chinatown, and that, that one still remains top of the pops, too. Sure. Oh, those are fucking great answers. Oh, that's amazing. Now, stick around, because when we come back, we are going to find out if we get a puff or a pass on Elephant from Ryan Prowse right here on Let's Bogart. Don't go anywhere. All right, Ryan, we're back. This is our final bit, bud. So this is uh, now I probably know where you fall on this because you suggested these movies, but uh, we do a puffer pass rating on each of the movies. So can we get a puffer pass on all three, the music video and the two elephants? Puffer pass. Puff, puff, give. Yes. Oh, man. Yeah. These movies. What what do you uh, if you were to. Tell somebody on the street who is like, I just I'm looking to watch a horror movie tonight. You're like, you should watch Elephant. They're like, oh, really? Why? No, that was like me being very like, you know, like, hey, let's get esoteric and do this. <laughs> sure, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I definitely used it on like, like again as a. It was a huge reference on uh, on terror. So yeah, that that was more of that. If 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 a guy on the street was like, let's watch a horror movie, like. The fucking thing? Like, are you out of your mind? Like, <laughs> go watch the thing. The greatest fucking movie that's ever existed. Like, come on. 
Amazing. Well, I, I've been thinking about, yeah, I, I, I puff on all of them too. I, I, I've been thinking about uh, what to pair with them for my cannabis listening users. And I think I found something. It's Highways Master Kush, which is a PAX pod for the PAX era. And it's such a chill, like, easy indica that's not too cloudy so you would still get the emotional effect of this stuff but you would just not be like <laughs> um uh, a raw nerve because i don't think you can really go into this gently uh, either no. any of the elements <laughs> Uh, yeah, you do not need, like, a loud pack or something. Nah, no, nah, no, absolutely <laughs> not. Well, right, this was, this was so much fun, man. Thank you so much for, uh, uh coming on the show. Can you tell people, uh, uh, where they can find you on the internet, what they should be paying attention to, what they should be listening to? Yeah, I mean, like you said, like, our, our, our mutual labor of love, Indeed. uh, VHS 94, um, is out, uh, October 6th on Shutter, yeah. um, and very excited for that. Me I think, um, I mean, yeah, everything's really good, but I'm, I'm really excited for everyone to see uh, this one. And uh, yeah, I'm just at Ryan Prouse at all of my social stuff or whatever. And um, uh, yeah, I just, I thank you for having me on here. I had such a blast working with you. Yeah, me Terror, too, man. And um, you're such a good dude. And we're such a good, like, spirit on the whole, on the set. And, like, on, like, I don't know. We, it, was, it was hard. It was, that was a hard shoot, I would say. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was. I, I, feel, I feel comfortable saying <laughs> it was hard <laughs> as fuck. And it was, uh, it was cold. I mean, I was not, I'm from... Atlanta, Georgia, and sure. uh, live in California, oh, so I was not used to uh, you know Toronto in uh, February. But yeah. that shit was cold. We were in a barn at night at eight degree Fahrenheit, you know, weather <laughs> like for fucking six nights. So yeah, it was uh, it was. Uh, but 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 you made it. Uh, you and the guys. Oh yeah, everybody. To work with. And everyone was so committed and cool and yeah. working so well together. And you guys pulled so much out of like, there's just, I, I can't wait for you to see the film because it's like so much life that you pull out of the, out of, um, those characters oh man i'm so excited it was such a great crew everyone like yeah it was it was really difficult but everyone was having so much fun getting to just collaborate you made such a collaborative set i i really felt like a, a contributor i think everyone did and i think that was really yeah i i'm really excited to see the footage <laughs> Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna flip out. I'm gonna shit my pants. <laughs> Amazing, man. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. That's it, buds. That's the opening to season two. I'm so excited. We're doing these Halloween episodes. Oh, uh, we're gonna be talking about horror movies all month long, and I'm so excited to kick it off with my good friend Ryan Prouse, who came on the show. You can follow him at Ryan Prouse on all the socials. You can follow me at Danny Williston on all the socials. You can also follow the guy who not only did the music that you're listening to right now, but also the new horror Halloween theme for the Bogart podcast. That is J.J. Thompson, musician in Peterborough, Ontario. You can follow him at J.J. and his dog on Instagram and also at I am not Tom Hardy, T-H-O-M. I'm excited. This guy's got great albums out with JJ and the Pillars, but I'm super excited that he's doing some new stuff and playing with some uh, uh, really... 
crazy retro gear and making some amazing Ghost in the Machine stuff. This is amazing. I love it so much. Uh, yeah, so follow him, follow me, follow the podcast at Let's Bogart on both Twitter and Instagram, and uh, soon to be on TikTok, which is weird. It's weird trying to navigate Instagram and Facebook and fucking TikTok with all the hatred towards cannabis uh, uh, usage, but we're going to find a way. It's going to be super cool. So you can follow us there for all the stuff. And uh, otherwise... Do you have any movies you want us to do? you have any strains you want us to, to review? You want to talk about weed? You want to talk about movies? Hop on our socials. Hop on Instagram. Send us a message. Come up to the website, danielwilliston.com slash let's-bogart. And next Thursday, we're going to have another horror-themed episode. I can't wait for you to tune in when we bogart once more. Ah, 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 ah. writing and stuff earlier like you know i yeah you try to be instinctual i definitely also think about it a lot and try to be like okay how can i marry that and also make it a little bit more palatable i guess and like not like go so far on the art tip that like like you like turn